Hello and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. We exist to see lives transformed through Jesus and are located in the heart of Surrey, BC, Canada. To find out more, visit us at horizonchurch.ca. We hope this message blesses and inspires you. I remember we were driving and the truck finally came to a stop. Um, it was about three hours of us driving and we have reached the end of the part where the truck would take us and the only thing left uh, was a mountain in front of us and where our feet would have to take us. Still pitch dark after a three hour drive. We opened the door and was quite shocked and surprised where that what we were used to in the warmth of heated leather seats and the heat of the car was met with the frigid cold of dark, little bits of snow hitting our face, realizing that what we were about to just step into was a lot different than what we had been in. As we open up the door and look around, it's still pitch dark, begin to put our boots on and our clothes and load up our packs and begin to put our headlamps on and hike forward. It was my first time uh, hiking this mountain. I wasn't quite sure of the path. My brother had done it before. And so in the midst of pitch darkness, my body uh, adjusting to the frigid cold and the snow blowing, trekking poles in hand, I just began to walk. The only thing that I could see was the glow of my own headlamp and his in front of me. So I began to walk. It got steeper and steeper. And if any of you have gone for a hike thinking it was a good idea but have zero training, you know what happened next. There was a combination of my lungs and my legs beginning to burn. And it wasn't long till I said, how much further? I began to look up, trying to get some sort of reference. Hopefully we were at the peak and we were close, but we were nowhere close. As my legs began to burn more and more, my lungs began to burn. I take a quick drink of water only to realize that my bladder for the water had frozen because the water and the weather was so cold. We began to hike and hike and there's this interesting panic that sets in when you're out in the wilderness and the comforts of what you normally would have known are gone. Still in the pitch dark, every twig that goes off as a hunter in the daylight, I'm confident. In the dark, I feel like I'm the hunted. <laughs> and every little snap that goes off when we begin to walk, break after break, stopping, catching our breath. And at one point, the thoughts of, should we just go back? Let's come up with another plan. But as we looked, the snow that had been falling made it too dangerous to go back at this time in the dark. And the only option was to continue forward. And as you're hiking, if you've ever been there, my mind likes to see what's ahead, but again, it's dark. And so you kind of lower your head and to continue to go to just get through what's in front of you, the steep slope, you just tell yourself, just put one foot in front of the other and just keep doing that again and again. And I'm trusting that the path that my brother ahead of me has us on will lead us where we need to go. When I couldn't see anything, the weather seemingly against me, the slope definitely against me, gravity doing its thing. Just begin to put one foot in front of the other. And what seemed, I don't know, it's a mixture of five minutes and five hours, depending on which body part I was focusing on. We were getting there and we came to another stop. And it was at this time when we'd stop with my head down, 
body crunch, the weight of the pack on me, hands on my trekking poles, just closed my eyes and all I could do was focus on trying to get some air and waiting for that, okay, let's keep going one foot in front of the other. It was the joyous change in pace where my brother said, hey, I'm like, how much further? He goes, we're here. And it was this moment where I picked my head up and there was a lot going on around me that I had not realized. The trees that were super thick before were thinner. <coughs> the light around me was no longer needed because of my headlamp. There was light from the sun starting to peek up over the mountains. And as I turned, my breath was taken away from me once again, not this time because of the slope, but because of the view. Completely unaware that we had got to the crest of this mountain and this beautiful view in front of us and just stopped to take a moment and take in, completely unaware that I would have missed everything around me had I not lifted up my eyes. As I began to pray through this message this week, the Lord brought this memory to my mind. And as Pastor Craig started our series in Plus One last week, he began to talk about the importance of lifting up our eyes again. Family, the past few years have caused many of us because of the circumstances around us, the battles within us, the things we disagree with, the things we agree with has caused us to do what only we can do. There's so many things we don't have control over. We can't go back. So we hunker down and what is appropriate for a certain time and season to just focus on what's in front of you, trusting that the path the Lord has you on is where he needs to get you and simply just put one foot in front of the other. What was appropriate for one season, if we continue in a new season, would rob us of what the Lord is maybe doing. And family, I feel like the Holy Spirit would whisper into the hearts of every single person here into his church to say, church, it is time to lift up your eyes. It is time to lift up your eyes once more to see with eyes of faith what God is calling you to. It is time to dream again. To not allow the past struggles and darkness and whatever we just went through to limit your vision. It is time to dream again. It is time to believe again. It is time to engage with the things, to discover, yes, we are grateful for the love that took hold of us as we sung today. I'm so glad that he said I am free from my past, but family, it is time for us to consider once again, why did he take hold of me with his great and gracious love? For what plan and what purpose has he called me? And Pastor Craig spoke last week out of Matthew chapter nine, where a moment like this, where Jesus is looking and there's these stories of different healings and deliverances, and he's seeing crowds of people that have had their head down of hopelessness. <clears throat> we see that Jesus looks out on the crowd and he has compassion on them. He sees differently. And then he invites his fellow uh, followers and disciples said, hey, we need to pray. We need to pray that the Lord of the harvest would thrust out, would, would send people out. And as they're praying, he then says, now for you, I actually have something for you to do. It wasn't enough just to have hearts of compassion, positive thoughts, vibes. 
It wasn't enough to just throw up a prayer and hopefully someone else would do it as a apathetic or distant prayer to which I am all too prone to pray. Jesus then said, now there's something that you are supposed to do about this as well. And this morning, we're gonna take a look at that theme, lifting our eyes to see what Jesus sees by taking a look at actually the first story in Matthew chapter nine that Pastor Craig briefly mentioned, but Mark also speaks to in a bit more detail because I feel for some of you, we're gonna talk about things this morning that you've heard before. And my prayer is that your familiarity with certain terms would not rob you of the freshness that Jesus might wanna speak into your heart. For some of you today, it's gonna be the first time that you understand that God actually has something for you. That Jesus wasn't just meant to make your life better, he was meant to make your life new. And for some of us, God is gonna bring fresh wind into sails that would allow us the courage and the security to lift up our eyes and to hope and to dream again. If you're taking notes today, the title is Close Enough to Feel It. We're gonna be in Mark chapter two today. If you've got your Bibles, you'd like to turn there. There's a couple events that lead up to it that I think just help paint a picture. In Mark chapter one, verses 21, we see that Jesus actually goes to a synagogue and as he's preaching the good news and the word of God, there's a guy who's de- who is de- demoniac, uh, a guy who's demon oppressed, and he begins to freak out. And we see that Jesus actually delivers him, this incredible moment where Jesus went to where this person was, and we see this deliverance happen. And his fame begins to spread in, in Capernaum, where his hometown was. In 121, Jesus goes to a home, no longer in the synagogue, but he goes to a home of one of his disciples and his mom was sick and so prays for her and she's healed and begins to serve. And then for the rest of the day, the house begins to fill and it said he waited at the door and people invited all the sick that they could in the city to come and be healed. We see that Jesus went to some people, he came to some people's homes and then others were invited and they came. We see that his power is being displayed. And a sermon for another day in in chapter one, verse 35, we see that at the height of this whole town and the buzz and everyone wants to come, that Jesus wakes up early in the morning and he leaves what we thought he should have stayed and he finds himself into a desolate place and he just gets alone to be with the Father. To remember that that's where his power and his source comes from. And Peter, the PR disciple, the public relations says, Jesus, we need to capitalize this. No, there's a purpose for which I came. And it's not just to perform healings in this city, that there is a message of the good news of the kingdom of God, that that is what the Father has called me. That is the primary focus, the primary purpose for which I have come is to declare this good news. So we need to move on. And in chapter one, verse 40, it goes on, as he goes to other cities, we see a leper, a social outcast that was not allowed to be close, has enough faith to say, Jesus, if you will, could you heal me? And, Jesus could have spoke, but he reaches out and he touches the leopard to say, yes, you'll be healed. But it's more than that. He begins to preach the good news. And then we pick up in Luke chapter, or sorry, Mark chapter two, where Jesus returns back to Capernaum. We'll read it on the screen together. It said, when he returned to Capernaum after some days, it was reported, the news got around that he was at home and many gathered together so that there was no more room, not even at the door, it's an interesting little additive there because in Mark chapter one, it says they brought them all to the door at one point, but we see that his fame had grown so much at this point where there wasn't even enough room there. And he was preaching 
the word to them, preaching the good news of the gospel. And they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let it down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he turned and said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some of the scribes were sitting there questioned in their hearts, why does this man speak like this? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And as Jesus often does, we read in the gospel, it says immediately Jesus perceiving in his spirit that they thus questioned within themselves, said to them, why do you question these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed and walk. Verse 10, but that you may know that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And he rose immediately, one of Mark's favorite words in his gospel, picked up his bed and went out before them all so that all were amazed, glorifying God, saying, we never saw anything like this. Interesting grammar, but that's what they went out to do. Have you ever been telling a story to someone and you have a specific point to your story, but at the end of the story, you're expecting a certain response, but somewhere along the journey of your story, they clued in on something that was like a minor non-detail that like didn't, wasn't the point. And like you tell the story and you're expecting one thing. You're like, well, what about that? Anyone? Let me put it. Is there any husbands who have tried to tell a funny story to their wife? Anyone? Right? Well, like you're sitting there telling the story at the end, you're waiting for the laugh and you're like, you went to Starbucks today? You're like, that wasn't the point. It was, it was a descriptor, right? Like I'm telling this story and then at the end, like, man, man was healed, the sins forgiven. And the woman's like, you mean to tell me a full grown man had four friends he could count on? Right? It's like, no, that's not the point of the story. And I think if you're like me, sometimes we can read the gospels and there's secondary and primary purposes and points to the story. And this morning, I wanna focus first on the primary and then get into a secondary, but I wanna make sure we get that in order because if we're not careful, we can read into ancient scripture and stories and we can pull out the things in our day and age and our culture that we understand now and we can maybe miss what Jesus is saying or maybe miss the importance or the weight to which Mark the author or Jesus had intended. And we see that the purpose of Mark 2 to ensure we understand this purpose we see in verse 10 is kind of the key verse. And this is something in reading this passage that always kind of confused me. It says, but that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, rise up, pick up your bed and walk. And if you're like me, you're reading this story when it gets to uh, what is meant to be the punchline, Jesus seems to go a different direction, right? Like if I'm one of the, the four guys, I, I've 
left the crowd, gave up my front row seat to this awesome teaching. I've gone, picked up my paralytic. If you know anything about paralyzed people in that day and age in the mats, it would have smelled. There would have been feces on there. It would have not been a, a comfortable thing. So you're carrying it, getting close enough to probably smell yourself. You get to the house after, I'm not sure how far they had to walk or how much this guy weighed, but they got there, get to the house. It's a full house. And so now you got to rip off some person's roof and then you got to lay them all down and you get there. There's a very clear purpose for which you brought your friend. Jesus came back. You heard that he heals people. You hear that he's here again. You think, oh man, Jerry, my buddy Jerry, he needs him. So we get him to Jerry. You do all this. You lower him down. And Jesus looks at them, saw the faith, says, your sins are forgiven. If I'm him, I'm like, that's nice. But that's not why we tore the roof off. <laughs> I'm not carrying him out of here. <laughs> Brought him here, but now it's you. Like, right? We're like, Jesus, what, what, are, you, what are you doing? See, we can read that way and be like, hey, his sins are great, but did you see his legs? Uh, that's actually why we brought him. And you see, I think there's some reality of that in this story, but it was also a little bit understood. Jesus, we see the sins, like, okay, that's great. But in that day and age, there was weight because the Jewish tradition, they believed that if someone was lame or someone was blind or someone had an ailment or, or leprosy, it was actually a result of sin. It was a punishment from God either their sin or their parents' sin. And so it would have been proper that there would have had to been repentance, a sacrifice to the high priest. He would go into the holies of holies on behalf of that people to, to offer this sacrifice. And if it was forgiven, if it was received by God, healing would then happen. So we see that what Jesus is doing is actually quite significant. Well, we're like, who cares about the sins? It's about his legs these people kind of understand that this is where it is, but Jesus circumvents the entire structure in their religious system that had to do this and you had to earn it and had you do this. And he just declares forgiveness. This would have been a bigger deal than if his legs came up and walked. They were there because of the miracles, but what Jesus claimed here was significant. Jesus was being very intentional and aware of the man's paralysis, declares his sins forgiven, something only God could do. This would have been blasphemy, in fact, if Jesus was not who he said he was. Jesus not only makes the claim to be God, and as God proclaims the good news of forgiveness of sins, he proves that he is who he said he was, by his power and authority, and then declares that the man would be made healed. We see a commonality here that Jesus, often people came because they wanted food. People came because they wanted healing. People came because they wanted these secondary issues. But Jesus makes it very clear all throughout the gospels that the purpose for which he came was to die, to conquer the sin problem in humanity, to forgive us of our sins and to bring us into relationship with God and make us new. Family, it's time to lift our eyes afresh to realize that if we have received the undeserved grace of Jesus, 
the primary purpose for your life is now to love Jesus and to proclaim the good news that he loves your neighbors, that he loves your friends, that he loves your families. Yes, there's spiritual disciplines. Yes, there's formation in our life. Yes, there's community that's part of it. But as Pastor Craig, say, Pastor Craig said a few weeks ago, the purpose is that people would be served and people would be saved. And Jesus looks at the people and he says, you think your most desperate need is your legs being healed. But friends, those legs were healed and then they eventually died and were in the grave. And Jesus speaks to the primary issue, the primary reality that there was a young man to which God loved desperately who was separate from him because of sin. And he looks, he says, your sins are forgiven. Jesus could declare this because he knew the purpose for which his father sent him to do. And we see today, maybe you're here, maybe you're watching online and I'm not sure how you got here. You might have a need. Maybe your marriage is in trouble. You're like, man, maybe we should go to church and figure this out. Maybe your finances, maybe you got a, a, a notice from the doctor that scared you. And you think you have a need into which you are coming to Jesus or we had kids, maybe we're, we weren't planning to have kids, but now we just got to try and, you know, we, we got, I want to raise them right. So we're going to get here and, and we think we have these needs. Can I tell you that the primary need of your life is for Jesus? The primary need of your soul, Jesus doesn't come to make your life better. He comes to make your life new. And Jesus, from the beginning of the Gospels, declares this good news. And we see in Matthew 9, as last week, those who were to follow him were meant to see what he sees. Yes, there's opportunities. Yes, there's secondary needs. And God can use those. But as a church, we need to wake up and remind ourselves. And I don't say that with a finger pointed. I say that after realizing in my own heart, it's been a long time since it's bothered me that my neighbors who don't know Jesus are going to an eternity apart from him. I'm far too comfortable with being found myself and not looking and praying for opportunities to declare that good news to other people. I'm far too aware of how maybe it might make them uncomfortable to bring up spiritual conversations. And I'm far too little do I look with eyes of faith to say, what if God were to do something rather than what if they were to be offended? Family, it's time to lift up our eyes again. Jesus was very clear that his purpose was to obey the will of the Father, to proclaim and to perform the good news of the kingdom of heaven, that our sins are forgiven, that we have an opportunity to be born again, that right relationship with the Father is possible again, that with that right relationship, the Holy Spirit begins to shape and transform us, as Pastor Mike talked this morning, that changes the way we think, the way we act, and it gives us and empowers us with the gifts and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And all of that is for the purpose to be in relationship with God, but to then go and proclaim the good news of Jesus to the world around you. Do you know that Jesus wants to transform your marriage? One, because he loves you, but two, because there's broken marriages that need to see what a healthy marriage looks like. Do you know that Jesus wants to transform your parenting, not just so that you don't have to yell and scream and fight, but so that friends and people around you can see that, oh, this is what kingdom looks like. Do you know why we need to get involved in cohorts and small groups and men's events and women's events and do Easter things, not just so that we can plan things so people can see that, oh my goodness, this type of community is possible? What do you mean your church came over and helped rebuild your house? What do you mean when you needed something, your church went there? How's your kid so friendly around people? Oh, he's in church every 
single Sunday and he gets to know people. What do you mean you got people walking with you? Friends. When we talk about the power of community, it is not primarily just to serve you. Yes, it transforms you. Yes, in people we find our needs being met as they are the body of Christ, but it is meant to be a picture of what heaven could look like for those who are lost, broken, and have a desperate need to see what kingdom of God could look like. See, the good news that the remainder of our lives is meant to process and then proclaim what Jesus has done for us. We sang today, I remember the moment he freed me from my past and I'm never going back. Some of you, you got friends that need to hear that story. Some of you need to tell the story that God healed your marriage and it didn't end up in divorce. Some of you need to tell the story that after that divorce, God still has a redemption plan for you. Some of you need to walk through and tell the story of healing. Some of you need to walk through and talk about the struggle of your identity and what you're walking through. But King Jesus calls the shots and I'm learning. Some of you need to be okay with the imperfections of your life, but yet I lean towards saying, I'm not perfect, but man, Jesus is. And I'm just keeping leaning in. I might not have the answers, but I know who does. See, family, the Holy Spirit has been stirring our hearts and our spirits to lift up our eyes afresh to not forget that the life-saving, life-transforming power of Jesus was not just meant to save and transform you and end there. It was also meant to thrust us out to proclaim that good news to lost people. And I understand that to proclaim that, to share that, it looks a hundred different ways. But if you're anything like me, you've been in church a while, You've heard things like preach the gospel and if need so, use words. I understand the heart and the sentiment and your life should be your first witness. But could I encourage you to be cautious of the mental gymnastics we go to to get us out of obedience to what the Bible calls us to? To be able to check a box without getting involved, without getting close enough to feel people's pain and people's mess. Because when Jesus has called you to himself, he's also called you to be with people. We see that this is the primary purpose for which Jesus came, which means it's meant to be part of the primary purpose for which his church today is still loving and living in the cities that God has called us to. As we learn to love and receive the love of Jesus, it changes us. And if there is yet to be something that causes you to go outwards and share that love, could I suggest that maybe it's time to go back and spend some time being loved by God? I think one of the most dangerous things that we can get to a place that I've found myself at times is I convince myself that I deserve the love of God. I know at one point I didn't, but I've been doing pretty good since then, you know? Reading my Bible and doing this. I don't say that to condemn. I say that, that, man, there's freedom, that the enemy has been lying to you. I just pray that with fresh eyes, you are overwhelmed by the radical love of Jesus. 
that he could use you, that he could still love you, that the penalty of your sin was death and separation, but it's no longer the debt that is owed to you because Jesus paid it, that you have all the spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus right now, that he can change, that he can transform, that he can speak, that you are not limited to your personality, that you are not limited to your own strengths, you are not limited to your earthly uh, understanding or wisdom, you are not limited to have the same type of marriage that your family had or around you, that there is new hope, that there is fresh life in Jesus. This is great news. And as we look at the story, I'd love to take a look quickly at the secondary things that we see in one other verse. There's lots here. But for us, as we head into Easter, we've been talking about a plus one series for a reason. It's not that Easter is the only time you invite someone to church, but Easter is the cornerstone to which we gather, folks. It is the linchpin of history. One of the greatest moments where Jesus changed everything. And next week we are going to celebrate and we are going to dance and we are gonna proclaim the best news this planet has ever heard. And we just know that some people are more open to respond to Jesus or attend church on something like Easter. That's why we do an Easter egg hunt. You'll see bunny rabbits around because some of my friends won't come to church here to sit if it's just there. But that's a little bit of an extra excuse to have fun and joy and celebrate something that culture already does. And so yeah, their kids can come and it's here. And, but then when they're here, their kids are hearing a gospel message of Jesus and they find themselves in these seats. That's happening next week. And that's why we're stirring our hearts to maybe consider when you walked in this morning, there was something on your seat, a little Easter invite. Last week, Pastor Craig asked us to stop and pray. Who's someone that we can maybe invite? Who's our plus one? It kind of, it's a fun little term that kind of helps you remember that hopefully there's someone in our lives that don't know Jesus that we are investing, interceding and inviting. But as we look at the faith of the four friends, I think there's things that we can learn. See, there's one statement that Jesus makes that I think holds a lot for us. And it's in verse five, it says this. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, your sons are free, your sin are forgiven. And I think when it says their faith, I think the paralytic had faith as well because we know that's how Jesus works, that he had to have faith that God could forgive. But so Jesus also saw the faith of the friends. And I can't help but wonder if Jesus were to look at my faith, how many of my friends' lives would be changed. I can't help but wonder if Jesus were to listen to my prayers and answer everyone from this past week, how many friends' lives would be different. Would I just be more comfortable? and not have this tickle in my throat and kids that are better behaved and a bank account that's a little bit better? Or would I have a neighbor who's gone from death to life in Jesus Christ? See, it was the faith of the friends Jesus saw that caused them. These friends had faith that caused them to get close enough to feel what their friend was going through. Not at a distant, clean, sanitized way where I'll oh, bless you and I'll just, you know, praying for you and Jesus got a plan for you. And, and the only time we talk to them is that. I wanna look at three things. You've heard it before, invest, intercede, invite. And what this story can maybe bring fresh eyes to this. So we're going through faith to invest. The friends had faith to invest. I think it's pretty clear to see that the friendship of these friends to the paralytic did not start when Jesus came to town. 
we see that when everyone else was going to get their front row seat to Jesus, these friends, when they heard Jesus was close, what came to mind was not how close can I get, was we know who needs him. There was a pre-existing relationship. They knew what he was going through. Not only that, there had to have been good enough relationship for this guy to let them pick him up and carry him in a crowded place through crowded streets. Not only that, when they got there, it says, ah, hold on just one second. We just got to make a hole. Someone tie him down. Uh, we're going to do this and we need to do this. You're like, what? what? Like it shows that there was relationship. It shows that these friends felt what their friend felt. I've been guilty of this when I go to text some people that I feel like God's put in my life who don't know Jesus. And I go to text them to invite them to, to Easter. And I look and the last text I sent them was last week, last year's Easter. Or maybe Christmas Eve. And we can get to this idea that an invite is all we need to do. Friends, God is calling us to be involved in the lives of lost people to a much greater degree than that. And some of you, when you think about your plus one, you need to actually not invite them to Easter. You need to invite them over to your house and share a meal with them. Some of us need to examine, if you don't have anyone in your life who doesn't know Jesus, could I humbly, but as strongly as I could ask you to take some time to evaluate your values and your schedule because I don't believe you can walk in obedience to Jesus and not have lost people in your life. We're called to go into all the world and make disciples. And yes, I know there's a, a, a wide spectrum of what that looks like, but as people who have been changed by God, we must have people in our lives, not that we know enough to text to invite to Easter, but we can walk with them. We carry their burdens with them. Who in your life is close enough to see the life in your marriage and be like, man, I need that. Because sometimes it won't be just coming to an Easter. It might be like, you got to tell me how you, you're, what's going on with your kids. I need that. Man, you're going through this and you, you know what they're going through enough. And maybe they're doing something. I remember my one neighbor where he just opened up and shared something across the street that he just lost a friend that was dear to him and he was struggling. I just, do you mind if I pray? He already knows I was a Christian. Invite him to Easter. He said, no, thanks. But we're sitting there in the garage looking at his metal detector and asking these questions. I begin to get close enough to invest time enough to feel what he's going through. If we were to pray for our plus ones, those in our lives right now that don't know Jesus, do we even know what we should be praying for? Outside of Lord, would you say them? What are they carrying? What are they struggling with? What's stressing them out? And I know this is a hard message to hear, but family, it's time to lift our eyes off of ourselves to realize your life is meant to make a difference. And we need to be around lost people, not to this point and to the degree to which they shape us, but to the point and to the degree that our life is, <coughs> our life shines for them, that they can see hope, that they can see life, that if we were to invite them to something, they may say, you know what? Church isn't really my thing, but man, I love Daniel. He's a good dude. Oh man, I, I just trust Katie. Or man, Caleb, like, he just seems to be a great guy. There's something about him. And when you get to be around lost people long enough and you actually learn to love them, they're not projects, they're people. And we see them the way that Jesus does. I'm telling you, it will take time. It may mean you don't get as much family dinners in your month scheduled with your own family to realize that the table in your home is meant to have space for people outside of your, your, your nucleus of your own family. 
It may mean taking advantage of the conversations with that coworker and taking a step, but we need to invest in relationships. So my plea to you this morning to see the example of these four friends, that if you don't have someone that you're not investing in, could we start? Because I promise you this, if you've ever been bored in your faith, one of the best ways to ignite fire in your faith and walk with Jesus is to witness new life. Nowhere in the gospels do we read or see a narrative where there was not new life. One of the most exciting things, one of my friends, Mark here, I remembered the Sunday after he sat here and he got saved, we went to West Village and we start reading our Bible together. And he's sitting there and teaching him how to read his Bible. And he has these questions. Can I tell you, that was one of the most exciting devotions I've had in a long time. Because he's asking me questions. I'm like, man, that's a great question. I don't know, but I'll get back to you. And it's exciting because I'm leading someone, teaching them how to follow Jesus. Not just a message where you put up a hand and great, you're good. Hopefully you'll figure it out. But when we walk with people, we know what they're going through. I'm telling you, your faith will come alive. You'll be so excited to pray because you're watching God move. You're watching God change. Not only that, we said that they, we see that they had faith to intercede. This is such, I've never seen it this before. This is such a beautiful picture of intercession. And I'm not saying that this is, but this is, we can take this principle out. If we just stop for a second, the story of these four men shows us a perfect picture in the natural of what I believe intercession in the spirit actually is. We see that they heard from Jesus that he was close and he was near. They went to where the paralyzed friend was. When he had no ability to get to Jesus, they carried him to Jesus. And when they got close, when there was barriers between him and Jesus, they removed the barriers. Whatever stood in the way between this paralytic and Jesus, they were there to remove it. And there was an understanding that my prayer is only part and they lowered him to Jesus because if they could carry him to Jesus, they knew that everything could change. Friends, when's the last time you prayed for a lost friend like that? Where it wasn't a quick Hail Mary, like, Lord, hopefully bless him. But you, you felt the weight of what they were going through. You fought the battles, praying for them and asking God to shift, to change things, anything that would keep them. Romans tells us that they can't hear unless their ears are open, unless someone speaks so that the eyes of their heart would be open, their ears reopen, their eyes would see that we contend until they get to the feet of Jesus. When you invest in friendships, a heart should also be interceding. I'm telling you how exciting it is when you know you're going to grab the coffee with someone and you've been praying and asking God for an opportunity, not being like, oh God, please do it. Don't ask me to do anything. But you're like, Lord, I know I may screw it up. I may say the wrong words, but God, if you give me a chance, I'm going to take it. When your spirit is stirred and you're having that conversation, you're listening to what's going on, but your spirit is waiting for the opportunity that you actually believe that because you've been praying, God has been working on their hearts that God has been stirring, that God has been tilling the soil of what's going on and it might be just one random conversation that opens the door for them. We're called to invest deeply in relationships with lost people, but family, we're also called to intercede. And lastly, we're called to have faith enough to make the invite. A real easy way is an invite to church, but family, please don't limit it to that. It might be in your cubicle to invite them to pray with you. 
You might get to the point where you're asking it and you invite them to give their life to Jesus. But at some point, we gotta take a step. Could you imagine the four guys being like, oh man, I wish Jerry was here. Oh, it would have been so good. Oh, well, we just pray for him. That there was something in them where they had to actually take a step of action, a step of obedience. Because the reality, family, is there are some that Jesus will visit by his spirit, like Jesus went to the synagogue and he healed the man who was oppressed by demons. And there are some that Jesus will come and, and maybe it's a small group within their home and conversations and they'll be open to that. And there are some that will find their way in this room. Some of you were that person and we're so grateful for that. And you hear the good news of Jesus and your heart responds. But friends, there are some that will never make their way in this building unless you go. There are some that don't have the ability to get over the burden and the barriers between them and the lover of their soul. And the purpose for which God took hold of you and I is to be people who are open and ready and listening and willing to go when the Holy Spirit asks us to go. People who are willing to invest. People who are willing to intercede. And when the Holy Spirit gives us an opportunity, people who are willing to go, to invite. I'd love to ask you just to close your eyes. I want to ask just a simple question. If you found yourself here today, maybe you don't know Jesus yet. Can I tell you that everything Jesus did was so that you could know that he loves you? That song we sang today, that I'm free from my past, that can be true for you. That if we believe that Jesus, as we see in Mark 2, he proves that he was God. When we believe that Jesus was God, that he was perfect, that died for my sin, sin that should have been my penalty of death, that Jesus forgives us of our sins. And he brings us back to life as we are gonna celebrate next week in Resurrection Sunday. And there is a brand new life that you can live. Some of you need to know that's for you today. And some of you need to take that step, say, Jesus, that's me. As the paralytic had enough faith to believe, God, if you would do that, I'd like to be made new. I'd like to have my sins washed. It's as simple as saying, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I made some mistakes. But God, I believe you actually are who you claim to be. So if you would have me, would you forgive me? I want to spend the rest of my life learning to love you and follow your lead. For the rest of us in this room, with no worship, I'd love for you to consider what God is tapping on your heart. believed as we were preparing for today that some of us, that God is asking you to seriously look at the schedule that your family holds and to see is, do I even have space and time for lost people? Some of you are gonna have to get rid of things to make time, to make space, to make room. Some of you can need to add another table, another chair at your table. 
Some of you are going to have to leave your garage door open a little bit longer when you come home so you can get to know your neighbors. Some of us, God is tapping on the heart. Sorry, I don't want to move past it. I'm going to give 30 seconds just to ask Holy Spirit if he'd have you rearrange anything in your life to make space for lost people. you're here and the reality is you actually don't know any lost people, great place to start. Say, Lord, would you bring someone across my path? And some of you think it's a huge thing as, as an example. Someone who God has put in my life that I'm doing my best to build relationship with. What does investing look like? It's taking a Saturday to go fishing with him because he likes to go fishing. And if he's willing to go with me, I'll sit in that boat and I understand that it's not about the fish we're catching. It's about the relationship and sharing life together. It may just be inviting someone to join you in what you're doing. For others, you have people, and maybe God's been tugging on your heart to to set some intentional time aside to carry them to Jesus in prayer. And that picture of this story is something that the Lord is gonna remind you of. Maybe specific things that God's gonna have you to pray. Pray till something changes. For many of us today, we do have people, family members, friends, where we have relationship. And this week, it's going to be taking a step. You might be a little bit nervous, might be a little bit scared. No one loves rejection. But just grabbing a simple invite or sending a text, say, hey, I'd love to have you join us for Easter next week. It's going to be a great time. I think you'd really enjoy it. You don't need to be weird. You don't need to try like, oh, it's something it's not. No, everyone goes. I, I, I tell people, I'm like, man, everyone goes to church on Easter. That might not be true, but they don't know that. <laughs> I think everyone, everyone I know does. <laughs> so, hey, would love to invite you out. I think you'd really enjoy it. Oh, I'm not sure, man, the, the roof might fall down if I go in there. Like, hey, it's doing plenty fine with me in there, so I think you're good. Oh, what do I wear? Wear your sweats. I don't care. Well, what do I, uh, there's something for the kids. Don't worry about it. And we're not a used car salesman that pushes it, but can I, can I encourage you Allow the life of your light and the passion of Jesus to shine in those moments. Just trust that God might do something. So maybe we need to adjust our schedule to invest, cut some time to intercede, and some of us just need to take that step and invite and just watch what Jesus does and know that when you do this, you are joining the Trinity, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit in their work to reconcile people back to Jesus. Lord, I thank you that by your spirit, you are causing us to lift our eyes afresh, to dream afresh today. Pray for every conversation, every invitation that will happen this week. Lord, that you would give us the strength to take steps of obedience, even in the midst of fear, even in the midst of being a little scared. We love you, Jesus. In your wonderful name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this message from Horizon Church. To find your next step, visit horizonfam.ca. Have a great week.